0: We are wrapping up the fallout series in which we've been talking about stories from the Bible, characters from the Bible, and kind of the fallout of their actions, the fallout of what they, they did. We started this by apparently blowing the minds of some people with the Jonah story, in which after he uh, refused to follow God and then got eaten by the great fish and then promised to follow God and tell the story to Nineveh, the city, uh, and was let out of the fish, he preached the whole city of Nineveh, which was thought of as evil, and, um, turned to god which should be awesome like any normal christian any normal person would be like this is awesome they're not going to get destroyed now jonah threw a fit like he threw a tantrum he got so mad and uh so essentially like he ended his life mad at god he went forward mad at god um that's the fallout like he turned from god uh we talked about job and how he went through all of this horrible thing these horrible things and he never turned on god he turned on himself some his friends kind of gave him bad advice but He continued to believe in God. He continued to trust in God. And so at the end, like he gets everything back doubled. Uh, which doesn't mean that if something bad happens to you that it's going to like flip and you're going to get the greatest thing ever, but it means as long as you're alive, there's hope, as long as you persist. And so we see the fallout from a life of faithfulness is seeing uh, uh, the good result of that faithfulness. Uh, Last week we talked about Solomon, who was wise as a kid to ask for wisdom, and then he showed a lot of wisdom, but as he grew, grew older, he got full of himself, and he smelled himself, and he got too big for his britches, however you want to put it. And he turned from God, like he started worshiping other gods. He started building shrines to other gods, and he thought he knew more than everything else. And so the fallout of this guy who had loved wisdom, who wrote books in the Bible about wisdom, was that he started to believe in his own wisdom above God's. Um, This week we're going to do a little bit differently with this. We're going to do the fallout of all of mankind. And so we're going to go to the end of the road. Uh, This is Revelation chapter 1, verses 9 through 20. I, John, am your brother and your partner in suffering and in God's kingdom and in the patient endurance to which God calls us. I was exiled to the island of Patmos for preaching the word of God and for my testimony about Jesus. It was the Lord's day and I was worshiping in the spirit. Suddenly I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet blast. It said, write a book, write in a book everything you see and send it to the seven churches in the cities of Ephesus, Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea so this is John the disciple this is John who when Jesus um, brought his disciples together Peter James and John were kind of the leaders Uh, and so John was the one who at the foot of the cross said uh, Jesus said hey take care of my mom and mom take care of John like that's how close John was John was the only one of the disciples that didn't run from from Jesus at the cross like he was there Uh, He wrote books of the Bible. He talked about love. He did so much. He lived a faithful life, a good life. He was the last one left. Like when he says he's exiled on Patmos, everyone else had died. He watched Jesus die, obviously. Now he saw him come back, but he still saw him die, and that had to hurt. And then he saw James, his brother die for the faith. He saw Peter. He saw the rest of the disciples. He saw Paul. Like he saw all of these different people who he had worked with, who he had worshiped with, who he had helped die. And so everything was gone except for him. And and so he's on this place. Now the church obviously was growing and there were a bunch of people and he had started churches. They'd all started churches, but like the original core, like he was the last one left. And then he hears this voice and he probably recognized it right away. But to hear it after that long, this is around 95 AD. So he was probably, well, he was probably close to his 90s, 80s, somewhere in there. Like, he was really old, because he was young when he was a disciple. And so he's just there on this island, exiled. Exiled means that he's basically in prison, but it's an island, so he can't get away. It's kind of like Alcatraz type of thing, or like castaway, I guess. And so it's just him and a volleyball and a bunch of people. But while he's there, like, he's still preaching. He's still doing everything he can. He's lived this life of faith, and he probably at several times wondered, when is it my time? When am I going to die? When do I get to go home? And for whatever reason, he's kept alive. And so he hears this voice, and I want you to think about that. Think about the fact that, Let's put yourself in that time, and you've lost everyone that you love, everyone that was related to you, everyone that you know. They keep dying, and they're dying in good ways, like they're giving their life to the faith. You've done so many amazing things, and then, then you hear the voice of Jesus again. Like, you hear the voice while you're exiled. It had to be so amazing and so scary and so crazy. And so we go to the next part here. When I turned to see who was speaking to me, I saw seven gold lampstands, and standing in the middle of the lampstands was someone like the Son of Man. He was wearing a long robe with a gold sash across his chest. His head and his hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like flames of fire. His feet were like polished bronze refined in a furnace, and his voice thundered like the mighty ocean waves. He held seven stars in his right hand, and a sharp two-edged sword came from his mouth, and his face was like the sun in all its brilliance. So before I go on, I want to say first... When John is talking in Revelation, he uses signs and symbols and things like that. Like he describes things as he sees them, uh, and so like the seven lampstands that could have been just he saw seven lamps, he saw seven things like that, and that represents the seven churches that he writes to. When he says talks about Jesus' appearance, he sees him like that. He sees him in the spirit. He sees him in the flesh. He sees like this power, this fire burning his eyes—not literal fire—but like he sees just this life. In his eyes, if you've ever seen someone so awake and so alive and so passionate, like, he sees that. And then the the two-edged sword, that's the Bible. Like, he doesn't actually see a sword in his mouth. He sees, like, just this is Jesus. This is who he served. This is who he loved. And even though he had seen him again after the resurrection, like... It had been something like 60 years, 50, 60 years since then. And like I said, he'd lost everybody. And so he turns and he sees him. And it's so shocking and so amazing and so crazy and so powerful and so scary and all of those things that he's feeling. But none of the other disciples lived this long to do this. That doesn't mean that they're better or he's better or whatever. It's just that was their purpose. And so the disciples died starting churches. They died spreading the word of Jesus. So they died as martyrs. They died spreading the faith. John lived. And because he lived, he got to see this hope. And so the disciples, as they died, they went on to heaven, and so they got to see the hope. So it's just a different thing, but because they all lived lives of faith, they had this reward in different ways. And John's was to live long enough to see Jesus again, and to be a part of this, this final part of God's plan. Um, and so, wrapping up the scripture here. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as if I were dead, but he laid his right hand on me and said, don't be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I died, but look, I am alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys of death in the grave. Write down what you have seen, both the things that are now happening and the things that will happen. This is the meaning of the mystery of the seven stars you saw on my right hand and the seven gold lampstands. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. So basically... From here, Revelation gets kind of weird a little bit. The first couple chapters uh, are John writing letters to the seven churches. That doesn't mean there are only seven churches, but they probably represent like a circle or the seven post areas where people sent mail or the seven uh, areas of the church area, you know, like I'm saying, like districts, that type of thing. But regardless, the reason for the letters were twofold. They were to send letters to those churches to talk about them, but they were also for us to see what happens to churches. And in one of the letters... Um, It was about the church being lukewarm, which meant they went to church, but they didn't really do anything with it. They didn't care about Jesus. They didn't care about helping people. They just cared about going and being in attendance. And so each of those is like that. Some of them were good. Some of them were struggling, but all of them had this chance to do more. That's the whole point of God's plan. Um, In confirmation, we talked a little bit about the beginning of time today. And so basically this is the end. This is the fallout, not just of John's life of faith, and the fact that he gets to be a part of writing down this plan, this amazing book, this amazing part of the Bible. But it's all of us get a part of this plan. So basically when Noah was around, um, everybody was killing each other and sacrificing each each other and like sacrificing kids and virgins and, and other people that they didn't like just to their gods and doing all these things. So God sent down to Abraham and then to Moses um, these laws, like, hey, this is what the church is supposed to be. And had he said just love everybody, had he said go to church and you know help people and and you know be kind to everybody, they would have all died because everybody else was so violent. This doesn't mean that he was like, hey, it it's okay to do this, and it doesn't mean he changed his mind. It means that he led the church along. He led people along like a parent would a kid. So um with you guys when you learned how to well, when you were babies and you first started crawling, like your parents didn't take you as like a newborn and say, okay, Caden, I'm going to toss you in the pool and I want you to climb out, like swim a little bit, then climb out and then walk around. And then I'm going to give you the keys to the car. They didn't do that because it wouldn't work out very well. So I don't encourage you to do that. They let you learn how to crawl. And then once you started crawling, they probably helped you stand up a little bit and then eventually let you walk. And then over time, like you could run, you could do more things, you could None of you can, well, some of you can, well, you can drive now. Uh, but you got to do more things. You got to grow things. When you started, uh, you didn't know how to read. You didn't know how to talk. And so your parents didn't, like, take you to church and be like, okay, you're going to give the sermon today, Elizabeth. Zach, you're going to sing. Like, it's like your babies. Like, you don't have to do this stuff yet. Uh, you learn over time. It's step-by-step-by-step-by-step, by step by step by step, just like with anything. When you first start playing a sport, when you first going, start going to school, like everything starts at a certain point. When you start going to school, you don't start with like calculus. You start with basic math, like addition. You don't start with like reading Shakespeare or something. You start with learning the alphabet. And it's going step-by-step, step, and that's what God set down over all of time for the plan. And that's what's so cool. So it started with, here's all these rules and all these laws that are going to help you to see how to treat people better. And if you look through all of the laws, a lot of them are about how to live healthily, like just how to not die, how to not get sick, how to, to do that. Some of them are like, hey, this person over here is a widow or an orphan. They don't have anybody to take care of them, so you have to be generous to them. And it's like all this stuff that for us now is like common sense, but for them they had to be told this because the world was so different. And then that went for a while. And then as people got to the place that God knew they would, and he knew all of this would happen, then he sends Jesus. And he's like, okay, This is going to show how to have a relationship with him. And one of the really cool things when Jesus died on the cross, um, first he spent like three years walking around like teaching, helping, healing, setting this example for how we treat other people. Not changing the law, but taking it from follow these laws to just love God and love others. Like this is how you do it. You love people. You treat them like you want to be treated. You help them. You're there for them. You listen. You don't hate them. All of these things. And then when he died on the cross, there's a part where uh, the curtain tears down in the temple. And so at a certain point, in order to pray, in order to get forgiveness of your sins, you had to tell the priest everything. And then he would go behind a curtain with a rope attached to him, and he would pray for you. So like, imagine that, that you're just at home, and like you've got a test coming up, or you're scared about something. You have to wait to go tell a priest your prayers. You can't pray on your own yet. Uh, And so that's the... That curtain ripping was like God saying, you can go directly to me now. You can go to Jesus, and that's how you pray. And then when Jesus left, he's like, I'm sending the Holy Spirit because you don't even need to see my example now. Now you are to this point where you can run. You can do all these things. You can start churches. You can learn from each other because you know what to do. And so the Spirit connects everybody and combines them. And that goes all the way until whenever revelation happens. And revelation is the end times. And the reason for that is because it gives everyone who hasn't chosen him this one final chance to choose. If God could, or if God wanted to, he could force everyone to just see that he's God. Like he could just appear on TV one day. He could come into every room and every house and every country and everywhere and say the same thing at the same time. And people would be like, oh, this is God. Uh, I'd better shape up. But it's not really loving him. It's not really serving him. It'd just be out of fear or out of everybody else doing it, et cetera. And so uh, a lot of us, over time, choose him, and we follow him, and we go to youth, we go to church, we do our best to be Christians. Well, at the end, there's this last chance where it's like, okay, a lot of bad things are going to happen, and everybody who hasn't chosen me yet has this chance. And it's, it's not necessary, he could just snap his fingers and the world's over, but it's so that everybody has one more chance, one more chance. That's why it takes forever, that's why it goes a long time. It's about having one more chance, because as long as you're alive, there's hope. And it's so amazing when you look at it like that, and that's the fallout of mankind, that's the fallout of Adam and Eve. It's like, because they ate of the fruit, because they were imperfect, God was like, I'm going to give you another chance. You're going to go out of the garden, but I'm going to give you another chance. And with Moses, he killed somebody, and then he got angry, and he's like, I'm going to give you another chance. Over Over time, with Peter, with John, with all of the disciples, it's like, I'm going to give you another chance. And so it's always about giving us another chance, but we have to accept it. Because eventually, in all of time, there comes a point where it's just over and people are dead and they can't choose anymore. And in our lives, there comes a time where we don't want to choose anymore because we've just become who we want to be. And it doesn't mean that you don't have a chance to change. But the more you say no, the more you turn away, the more you don't care, the less you're going to care. And so if you're just waiting to die on a bed and then have a chance to convert, you may not have that opportunity. And so, John shows us that with a life of faith, with a life of just doing your best, uh, yeah, you may be exiled, yeah, you may lose people, but you're going to get this chance to see Jesus again. You're going to get this chance to be a part of something special. And so, for all of humankind, it's like, yeah, everything sucks and it always has been bad, and a lot of people do bad things and a lot of bad things happen but we're alive, and as long as we're alive, there's hope. And that's what's so important for us to to make the fallout of our lives be positive, not to be like Solomon, not to be like Jonah, but, but to be like John to where we're doing our best to be faithful, John wasn't perfect, but doing our best to be faithful, doing our best to help people see where they get to this point and they can make the right choice, where they don't miss out. And that's kind of what it is, and it doesn't mean you have to be able to preach, it doesn't mean you have to be able to sing, it doesn't mean you have to be able to be like a a fancy minister or anything, you just have to be able to treat people like you'd want to be treated. You just have to be able to show who Jesus is to everybody you meet, to love them, and to. Show people, like, hey, there's something different about the church. Let me look into that. Because all we can do is plant seeds. We can't force anybody. All we can do is plant seeds. But then they have to see through our lives the example of how to be better. And that's why Jesus was here. And that's why John lived so long. And that's why we are here. That's all I got.